Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. We are in the middle of a sermon series called Love Reigns. And if you're listening to us via podcast, thanks for joining us. And we pray that this message will help you take your next step closer to Jesus. We began this series, folks, on Easter Sunday, and we discovered that Jesus, who was mocked while he was on the cross as being the king of the Jews. Yet the clearest proof of Jesus' authority wasn't that Jesus could get pulled or get himself off the cross. The proof of his true authority was that he was willing to stay on the cross and rise from the dead. And last week, we, we were encouraged to know that when we're united with Christ, through faith in Him, we become a new creation. Our past no longer defines us. It is the love of God that caused Jesus to endure the cross. And it is the love of God that forgives us of my past, of your past. And this week, we're looking at, as we continue in this series, at how love, and how lo- and when love reigns in my heart, how it impacts my today, my present day. May His love reign in our lives. Remember when we were kids, we all used to play different kids' games. Remember red light, green light? And how about that real famous one, Simon Says, right? Oh, man, there are certain kids who just love to play Simon Says. And they were, I mean, they were excellent at it. Matter of fact, let's see how good we're at it today. So when I say Simon Says and I give an activity to do, you're to do it. When I don't say anything about Simon Says, you're not supposed to do anything. So if I say Simon Says clap, we clap. All right, Simon says, clap. Simon says, stop. Simon says, blink your eyes. Simon says, stop blinking your eyes. Simon says, head up, down. Oh, Simon didn't say that. Gotcha. You see... Somebody says, I win. I won in my row. Simon says is a test of your willingness to listen and to distinguish what instructions to follow. To listen to the authentic directive versus the invalid directive. If a player misses hearing or is distracted altogether and they obey the invalid instruction, well, they're out of the game. And you ever notice the first time somebody messes up, it seems like half the group's gone. And then it gets less and less of, of those who break out. Isn't that interesting how that works? This game 
in many ways is a test about a person's, and I really want you to hear this, about a person's free will. At any point, you can choose to follow or not follow. As we live day to day, we make thousands of decisions. And we're constantly having to weigh out the options and choose what we think is best. Sometimes we can find ourselves being obedient to a voice or to an instruction that the truth be known is not in our best interest, but in the best interest of somebody else. But there's good news. You see, the good news is that God's love for us gives us a completely different option. This option says we can trust the voice of the Lord. That as we listen for the Lord's voice, He will help us make the best decision, not only for us, but for the kingdom of God and for those that we love and those who love us. You see, our choices really reveal who rules and reigns in our lives, in our hearts. The things we choose to do, the things we choose not to do, is a direct reflection of my core values, of your core values. The Apostle Paul has a lot to say about living our lives under the influence of God, rather the influence of the world. Let's look at Romans here. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And this is what Paul says. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This, true, this is truly the way to worship Him. Have you ever been at a beautiful mountain vista, or maybe you're at the beach and you're on one of those piers, and they have those, you know, those metal contraptions, you know, there's a big pole, and then there's this big metal contraption where you drop in a coin, and you're able to see miles away that are far away, seem much more closer. And it's always so fun, except 9.99% of the time, they never work. It's just me, maybe. But the time they do work, it's like you can see miles and you go, wow, I had no idea what that really looked like in the distance. All because you're looking through a lens. And that lens changes your ability to see, even though you were already looking in the same direction. See, when Paul writes this passage, he's trying to get the reader to see through a completely different lens. To see God with a lens of appreciation. A lens that reveals the love of God for them. I think so many people view God as a God with a big baseball bat just waiting to hit him upside the head because of something they did back in the days of the dinosaurs. They can't let it go. God let it go. They can't let it go. 
And God is saying, you know how horrible that feels to me? I forgave you and you keep looking at me like I'm putting this over on you. Why do you keep bringing it up? That's what God's saying. Why do you keep acting that way? I don't see you like that. You see that? Question is, what lens are you looking through? Because when you look through the Lord's lens, you see love. You see forgiveness, and joy, and peace. Goodness is kindness. See, Paul wants to change the way you see your own life. He wants to reorient the way you see even your present situation. If you get this, what what I'm sharing right now, if you truly get this, this changes your life. I'll guarantee you, it changes your life. If you could see life and see yourself the way God sees you, you will not be able to be the same. When we turn our attention to the mercies of God, then we're compelled to live our lives as living sacrifices that are holy, that are pleasing to God. This concept of sacrifice, oh, it's rich with imagery and history for for the audience that Paul is immediately speaking to. You see, a sacrifice back in those days, it it literally meant, as we understand today, that let's say you bring a lamb or a goat or let's say a heifer or a morning dove, it doesn't matter. You bring in an animal of life and you take that life so that you in turn would have life right with God. Now all of a sudden, here comes a concept. The word sacrifice means to take the life. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. Talk about an oxymoron. What? How can you have a sacrifice if it's still living? Much harder. This is why Jesus' death was considered the ultimate sacrifice for all of humanity. And this is why Paul, he's using this imagery for us and why he uses the term living sacrifice. I think we can get a glimpse of an understanding as we go to the psalmist. Let's go to Psalm 51, verse 16 and verse 17. The psalmist says, you do not desire a sacrifice. And the psalmist says, or I would offer you one. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O Lord. Do you begin to understand the difference of what there is when we say a living sacrifice? It's a contrite heart. It's a heart that says, I'm no longer living for, you know, 
the manly uh, trinity, me, myself, and I. I'm living now for God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I'm changing my heart and its desires for me, myself, and I. My lusts, my desires, my passions. And I'm saying, no, not my passions, His passions. Not my heart, His heart. Not my will, His will. Not my way, His way. Not my timing, His timing. How many know this timing thing is super hard? It is for me. I have offered God my watch. I've offered to buy Him a watch. It's kind of a silly thing when the guy you're offering a timepiece to is the one who created time itself. I says, son, I don't need a clock. The truth is, neither do you. Stop looking at the clock. Oh, I did not want to preach that, nor did I want to hear that. The true sacrifice of a follower of Jesus is a contrite heart. And, and it's an obedient spirit to the Father. That is what God's looking for now since Jesus has paid it all with the blood of His own body on the cross. Being a living sacrifice is more difficult than being a dead sacrifice. A dad's sacrifice does not have a choice in the matter. It's done. It has to stay on the altar. It cannot move. I'm not being, I, being funny here, but it can't move. It's dead. But if I'm a living sacrifice and I'm laid upon the altar, I can get off that altar. I can walk away from the altar. I can destroy the altar. But when I willingly get upon the altar and I surrender to His goodness, to His grace, to His will, to His way. Wow. Paul says now, you've changed the way you are viewing things. You put on the lens of God so you can see things of the kingdom that you could never see before. To live a life right now in this present under the rule and the reign of God's love requires my living sacrifice. Now Paul goes on in the passage of Romans to give us the ultimate outcome of living this sacrificial life. Verse 2, don't copy the, the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Did you catch that? Changing the way you think? Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, if I want to know the will of God, Paul gave me that which needed to be done before I can get to that change of my thoughts or how to get to the mind of Christ. He says, you got to stop your stinking thinking. Change the way you think, Marvin. 
If you think you're a nut, you're going to be a nut. What's the Word of God says? This man thinks in his heart so easy. So if you think about fear, if you think about anger, if you think you're always offended, if you think you're justified for always being angry and gossiping, and you think it's okay to be a thief, if you think it's okay to be a murderer, to be a, all these people slander and whatnot, and man, this horrible person on the internet, if you think that that's good, you're going to do those things. If you think you can get away with it, you're going to do those things. But if you change the way you think and you say no to those things, you will now put on the mind of Christ. And as you put on the mind of Christ, you will discover the will of God. Wow. Anybody here want to know the will of God and been trying for six months, six years, 60 years and going, I still can't get it. I just gave you the cue. Change the way you think. This is hard. And I don't care if you've been a Christian for 100 years. This is hard. Change the way you think. Who can do that? I can't. Not without the Holy Spirit. See, the world around us has patterns that lead to a shattered life. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been living in the world and in the end, your life got shattered? It got wrecked. The world is marked by patterns of greed, of selfishness, of pride, of envy, of lust, of gossip. These patterns, this way of thinking, this way of doing life. It's easy. It's so easy to fall into all these difficult places of life. And it goes against seeing your life being transformed. So changing those patterns in your life really means changing the way you think in your mind. And as you do that, you will see your life changed. Now, here's one of the hardest parts. If you're an older person and you have somebody who dares tell you to stop thinking the way you've been thinking, you got to ask yourself, why are you so obstinate? Well, it's worked all these years. Really? Just you in the mirror say that. I bet if you were to be honest with those closest to you and ask, and they felt safe enough, <laughs> they might tell you differently. But more importantly, what if you were to ask the Lord and say, Lord, are there things that I've just said it's okay with you? And it's not. Is my rudeness really bad? Is my anger and lashing out really bad? So just even hearing the questions begins to change how we see things. But with a little attention, 
those patterns, those bad patterns in my life, in your life, they can be easily identified. We learn about patterns even when we were in preschool and in kindergarten. We've learned about patterns our whole life. But have you ever noticed that sometimes we need to change our perspective to truly see a certain thing? Like somebody standing over here goes, oh yeah, did you see that? And then somebody standing over here could be looking at the same thing. And, and I don't know, there's maybe something in, in their way and, and there's an obstacle and they just can't see it. But when they move and they stand right where that other person was at, they go, oh wow, I didn't even see that. Well, just because you couldn't see it over there didn't mean it wasn't there. You catch what I'm saying? So maybe when you're so in the throes of a pattern, you can't even see that it's wrong. But if you say, God, can, can you move me so I can see things from a different vantage point and I can go, oh my goodness, I had no idea. Now you see the pattern. Now you see it. If you ever need help, husbands, all you have to do is ask. The wives will help you. How many have found out they help when you don't even ask for help? And that's why they're your helpmate. Amen? We need to break those patterns. We develop patterns that we've just justified doing things that we shouldn't do. You all know about the idea of how do you get this frog and you put him in a beaker and you put the flame on and he'll just roast because the water slowly warms up. He can easily jump out. He doesn't. See, and that can happen to a born-again Christian who's been around for a really long time. Because you know how to speak Christianese. And you, you know how to quote verses. And you could even be a pastor type or a Bible study teacher. And the question is, are you a frog and didn't even know it? And I'm not talking about fully relying on God frog. I'm talking the kind of frog that had no clue he was justifying, she was justifying patterns that oppose the will of God. And then we wonder why we can't get God to tell us what He wants for us to do. We can't find the will of God. So to change the way you think and the way you see things, one must be willing to trade our will for the will of God. So this is critical. The ultimate outcome of a sacrificial life in a renewed mind is the ability to distinguish the will of God in our present life. How many listening today have ever struggled wondering how to make a decision on this thing or on that thing and wondering what's God's will in all of it? Does anybody, has anybody ever, ever struggled with that? Anybody. We're halfway there. Come on, the rest of you. We all have. Many of us, no, let's be honest, all of us want to do what God wants us to do when it comes to our families, 
with our friends, with our education, with a career, getting married, our retirement. And Paul says that the best way to knowing the will of God is by trading our will for His will. So what if you were to trade your time and your energy that you use to spend on your old patterns in your life and create new patterns? Yes, you would have completely different outcomes. When we allow God's love to rule, to reign in our life, life changes. I'm not saying there won't be hard times, but the way I see the hard times, change. Here comes that hard time, challenge for the Lord. Okay, Lord, here, here's what we got going. I got a look, this is all I got, right? Ain't much, but what do you got? How are, how are we going to handle this, Lord? Better yet, how are you, Papa, going to handle this? See, I'm no longer doing the Lone Ranger Christian. I'm doing Team Jesus. Just let Him show me what to do. How to do it. When to do it. This is why we're to spend time in prayer. This is why we're to read Scripture, to serve others, to listen to the voice of God. When we submit to His love, God promises to lead us and to show us His will. So let's look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Real famous verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all. Wow, what a powerful three-letter word. All you do, and He will. Do you hear the confidence in that? And He will show you which path to take. Wow. Have you ever seen a young couple that just got that love bug? Oh, yeah. Look at all these ladies. There you go. I remember the love bug. When my, when my little boyfriend, he loved me, and I, I ooh, with, the, with those blinking at him, and you just loved it. And you ever notice about them love bugs? They can spend hours together. And, and mom or dad says, you got to come home, but I've only been here a few minutes. There's never enough time. Why? They got the love bug. You can't have enough time when you have the love bug. My question is, how's your love bug with the Lord? There, you, you're not counting the minutes. You don't ever look at the clock. Can't wait to pray. Can't wait to get in His Word. Can't wait to fellowship. Can't wait to share Jesus. Why? I got the love bug. And not in a romantic way. In a much deeper way. My God, He rules and reigns in me, and I must be in His presence. And you know what happens when you're in His presence? You begin to talk like Him. You actually get an accent just like His. You want to know? I, we lived in Iowa for 10 years. I actually got a draw. 
Why? Because everybody I was around had a draw. It went away, praise God. But you never know. Y'all, it might come back. You see, when you're in the presence of the king, what matters to him begins to matter to you. You begin to actually move like him. I've, I've had people, and maybe you as parents are the same thing. Oh my goodness, I knew that that was your kid. Why? Because the way they walked, I knew that that was your walk. See what I'm saying? And when you spend so much time as a child of the king, you'll walk like him, you'll talk like him, you'll see things like him, you'll hear the way he hears, your heart beats the way his heart beats, you become like your father, and people look at you and go, you got your daddy's eyes. And you know what happens ultimately? The will of the Father becomes your will. The goals, the passions, the heart, all of that of the Father becomes yours. And you weren't even trying. What happened? Just spent time with Him. Couldn't help it. You had to. Because you fell in love. Because you got the love bug. This is how the Lord feels about His love towards you as we wind down in Romans 8, verse 38 through 39. And I love how Paul says this. He starts right off with, I am convinced. I love this. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. So here's a guy who is probably the number one scholar the world has at this time. The number one scholar. He's written at least half to a little bit more than half of the New Testament. And he begins this passage with, I am convinced. I, I, in other words, I'm done studying on this. I don't have to talk about this anymore. I'm convinced. I, I know that I know the answer to this. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Now here's a guy who murdered Christians, had them thrown into pits, eaten by lions. This guy did the most horrendous things to people of the way, the movement called the way. Stoned to death. He literally, when he was first getting into this whole thing, he was the, the guy who took the tickets for all the jackets. Well, everybody else threw rocks. And he egged him on. Can you imagine the guilt and shame he must have possessed? And now he says, and I'm convinced that none of the stuff I did can ever separate me from God's love. Wow. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, if you actually go to hell because you choose to, that God still loves you even though you're in hell? 
Nothing can stop his love for you, even if you choose a destination that's not of God. He still loves you. Wow. I'm convinced. You know what it means to say, I'm so convinced? It means I trust. I fully trust. Now, to be honest, trust is a hard thing to teach. But being in relationship by spending a great deal of time, trust becomes established. And the more we trust in the Lord, the more that the Lord's love reigns in our lives. And the more the Lord's love reigns in our present I want to invite you to pray with me today in a very specific way. I want to ask you to offer up to God your old patterns that you've noticed in your life. I want to invite you to trade in your will for God's will. To choose to put on the mind of Christ into your life and to trust God's love to lead you forward. May God's love reign in our hearts. So Lord, as we pray, as we come before You, what a serious moment this is to be so self-reflective, not in a selfish way, not for self-gain, but to be before You. Postrate. And just to be real with all of our weaknesses and what we think are our strengths. And we say, I really need to give you my will. And I want your will. I really, I need to offer up the way I think and the patterns of my life and, and let you know, Lord, I, this is wrong. Help me. Lord, help me to put on the real mind of Christ and not the religious mind of Christ. Help me to stop pretending. Help me to be real with You that I could be real with others. Help me to have the love bug to spend time with You to be in Your presence, to be in Your Word, to share Your Word. Oh God, help me. If that's you, if you're praying that, I, I just want to agree with you. W would you look up at me? Would you raise your hand that I can pray with you? Amen, amen, amen. Yes, yes, yes. Praise God. Yes. Yeah. Father, out of the obedience and and stepping out in faith, I, I pray, Lord, they would sense Your grace and Your mercy and Your love. Lord, that You would remove guilt. God, that You would remove shame. And God, that You would pour out Your will in their life. Pour out Your blessing in, your, in their life. Give them hope.
and a blessed future. We pray this in the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.